Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Oh 
so thankful to have you listening to the broadcast today, and I'll be continuing in the series on the Psalms. Today we're in Psalm 18. It's a Psalm of David. It's a warfare psalm. This powerful psalm is part of a group of psalms which are ancient worship songs which were sung with instruments in David's day, and this is known as a royal psalm. The extended title describes the circumstances surrounding David's writing of this psalm. It writes, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. We see the same recording in Second Samuel 22, 1-51, the same basic song. It echoes David's response as he was delivered by God from Saul, who had tracked him for years trying to kill him. This deliverance compiled a lengthy period of time and also included various attacks by Saul against David, all of which the Lord delivered David from. Notice that David also composed this song and sung it to God first as a personal expression of his love and recognition. Let's take God's word now, if you can. If not, just listen, but if you can take your word and read it, we're in Psalm 18. The Bible says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pains of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Then... The earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. 
The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. My friend, I want to speak today on my rock. You can personally experience God as the rock of your life. How can you experience God as the rock of your life? Let me give you six clear commands out of this text that will enable you to experience God as your own rock in your life. Number one, the first command is love God fervently. The scripture begins with the words of King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel expressing directly to God, I will love you, O Lord, my rock. He calls the Lord his rock. He expresses his love. He composed this song and sung it to God as a personal expression of his love and recognition of all that God had done for him. The psalmist here at the outset of this marvelous and complex worship song expresses his undying love to God for all that God has done for him and all that God is. The word in Hebrew here expresses the most powerful and deep love possible, like the love of a parent to a child or the most intimate love of a spouse to her husband. This expression of love reveals a key ingredient to understanding all the Psalms, and that is a very personal and intimate relationship that David had with God, the only true and living God, that is Yahweh. Spurgeon writes this, he said, Here is a fixed resolution to abide in the nearest and most intimate union with the Most High. Our triune God deserves the warmest love of all our hearts. Father, Son, and Spirit have each a claim upon our love. David knew the command of Moses found in Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, Moses wrote. But this command is taken on new meaning when in the crucible of trials and trouble, God moved from heaven to deliver David and strengthen him in a supernatural way. So David's statement of deep love for God grows out of what the Lord has done for David. When David calls God my rock, and I hope, friend, you can call God my rock. He's speaking of the strength of God in his life, of the solid and unchanging truth of God and the love of God in his life and the absolute firm confidence in God as his source of all that he needs and his sure support in life and his sure defense, his sure protection. This love that he had in his heart overflows because God is David's rock. What had the Lord done for David? He had heard David's prayer from his holy temple, and he had moved in his behalf. We can see this command to love God 
is echoed in the Gospels. When Jesus was speaking with the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 21, and actually at Matthew 22, we see uh, Jesus responding to one of the Pharisees who was an expert in the law, who tested Jesus with this question, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus crystallized the whole of the Old Testament law on these two commands, which are on the outset seem simple enough, but in reality require of us tremendous devotion and tremendous dedication from our heart. And that is exactly what we see in David, a tremendous flood of love for God in response to what God had done for him. My question to you today is, do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Is God your rock? And do you love God? The first command is to love God fervently. You can experience this same love when you experience the touch of God as David did. Number two, trust God intensely. Verse two says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. This undergirds all about the psalm that we see David's expression back to the Lord is that he trusted God. He put his faith in God. In his most fearful circumstances, he fixed his eyes on God and believed the promise of God. This message of God is my rock will never be complete without without really the truth that David's faith in God drove his prayer life, and David's prayer life resulted in miracles. The fact is, friend, without faith in God, we cannot please God. We cannot expect God to answer our prayers. We cannot produce anything in our lives for Him without faith. We must trust God. We must trust what He has told us in His Word. We must put our faith in Him fully, just as we see in this psalm. Faith, according to Hebrews, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Though we cannot see it, we believe it. With a joy inexpressible, faith presses us to claim God's promise and then act upon God's purpose. David says, in whom I trust, he trusted God. Do you trust God? Have you put your faith in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ? This is fundamental to experiencing God as our rock. Number three, cry out to God desperately. Here, in these desperate circumstances which David faced, which was the imminent threat of death, we look and see what David did. Here's what he wrote when he was facing this horrible reality that at any moment he could be killed. He wrote, The pains of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Cry out to God desperately. The psalmist had nowhere to turn but to God. He was on the run. He was clearly afraid, as anybody would be scared. The powerful king of Israel, Saul, was tracking him with the entire army to destroy him. And yet here we have in this text an amazing documented account 
of what David experienced in his moment of desperation. He uses these poetic words, the snares of death confronted me, the sorrows of Sheol, the grave, surrounded me. It's as if the waves of death were about to take him under and he was going to drown. And that reminds me of the book of Jonah when we see the prophet who, though he's running from God, he is God's called prophet, was thrown into the ocean and swallowed by a very large fish. In that moment, Jonah cries out to God. I want to share that with you. The Bible says from inside the fish, chapter 2 of Jonah, he prayed to the Lord his God, and he said these words, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Are you afraid today, friend? Do you feel the cords of death and the ungodly trying to ensnare you? And cry out to God. Believe him for supernatural deliverance. God answered Jonah in his cries for help and spared his life. God answered David in his distress and spared his life. And you also can cry out to God in whatever your circumstances of fear and great distress. And he will hear from his holy temple. And he will answer you. Number four, expect God to show up. Here the psalmist makes a vivid description of God responding to his cries for help. The Bible says, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken. Because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. The description of God coming down out of his heavenly realm and power is called a theophany, which literally means an appearing of God in person. This theophany beautifully describes the awesome presence of God appearing in the life of David. This description speaks of the earth quaking and shaking and the very foundations of the mountains moving. The description shows God with smoke rising out of his nostrils and fire coming out of his mouth with glowing coals and searing heat, which seems to echo what Moses experienced on Mount Sinai. The smoke and the fire and the earthquake all speak of an awesome and indescribable power of God, the power of God which is unveiled to the human and to the person who cries out to God. When we see this power of God, the reality of God's uh, 
earth-shaking power, we have to realize that he is our hope and our help, that when what can man do for me, it's when we cry out to God, when we expect God to move, then the power of God will fall. And this theophany shows the incredible power of God to come against the enemy in your life. I don't know what enemy you're facing right now. You know what uh, enemy you have, if it's an addiction, if it's a, a, a person, whatever that distress, whatever that enemy is, seek God, expect God to show up in power, pray to God in faith, and call on him for help, and God will respond just as he responded to David, just as he responded to Jonah. But we have to believe God. We have to expect God to move. So when we pray, are we really expecting to see an awesome response to our prayers? My friend, if God, who is eternally the same, heard David's pleas for help, he will hear and answer your desperate cries for help. Cry out to God, the living God today, and expect him to move. Number five, wait for the supernatural deliverance of the Lord, the powerful deliverance of God from certain death. Put David in a peaceful and broad place. When the waves of death began to flow over him, he writes, God drew me out of many waters, the rushing waters of death, and delivered me from my strong enemy. He brought me out also into a broad place. This is supernatural deliverance. We've got to wait for the deliverance of God. Sometimes God puts us in a waiting pattern. We've got to wait upon the Lord. We've got to wait for him to move. We can't even work our own deliverance. We can't even work the solution to our own problem. We've got to wait for God to do it. Be patient. Wait on God, the psalmist writes in Psalm 37, and he will move. We've got to wait for the deliverance of God to come against that which we face and the supernatural move of God. You can experience the supernatural deliverance from your enemies when you know God as a child of God and when you cry out to God in faith. Watch what God will do. He will move. He promised he would. And number six, determine in your heart to live a pure life. The scripture is very clear that David basically says, I have tried to do what's right in your eyes, Lord. He writes, the Lord recorded me, rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. What he's saying is, I want to obey God's will and his purpose and his commands. I want to live a pure life before God. If you will determine in your heart to live a pure life, to not be swept away by the culture in the United States of America and the world, by the world system and all that's there, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But instead, set your heart on obeying God and living a pure life as a bright and shining light in a wicked and perverse generation, just as David. We will see the power of God. We'll see God move. We are called as believers in Jesus Christ to live a, a pure life, to keep ourselves pure and unspotted from the world. Jesus said, blessed are the Pure in heart, for they shall see God. The reality is, 
We're in a wicked world. We're in a perverse world. And immorality and impurity is swirling all around us. But God calls us out as believers in Christ, if we are believers, to come out from among the world and be lights and be a witness that is set apart, purified, sanctified, holy to the Lord, just like the sacred vessels in the tabernacle. God has set apart us, the children of God, to be His powerful voices, His vessels in a wicked and dark world. God, I God has a purpose for your life. God desires for you to fulfill his purpose. In order to do that, we must be sanctified and purified by his spirit and by his blood. Determine in your heart to live a pure life. We see that God will work and he can be your rock when you obey these six commands. The Protestant Reformation, which began in 1517, produced virtually no church-sent missionaries until two men, two Moravians, Leonard Dober and David Nietzscheman, were commissioned on August the 18th, 1732, in an unforgettable worship service when there was a tremendous amount of music sung, a hundred hymns were sung, and they had a tremendous sending-off service. So they soon left... Uh, for Copenhagen, looking for a ship to take to the to the West Indies, the islands where God was calling them to serve. But the city of Copenhagen proved unfriendly, and the two men were just absolutely nailed with opposition and obstacles at every front. One disappointment followed another, and incredible, oper- really satanic opposition, I would say, arose to their mission. No one would help them. No ship would take them. Their morale sank. At that critical moment, Numbers 23, verse 19, turned up in their daily devotional book. Quote, Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Inspired by these words, Dober and Nietzsche determined to persevere, believing that God would fulfill what he had started through them. They had prayed, and they believed God, and they expected God to move. A handful of people in Copenhagen began helping them, and the tide of public opinion began to turn in favor of them. Two royal chaplains lent their support, and even the Queen of Denmark encouraged them. Princess Charlotte contributed financially, and a court official secured a ticket on a ship for them, a Dutch ship, and they left on October the 8th, 1732, sailing for the West Indies, opening the modern era of missions. The Lord has spoken to them, and they believed that he would do it for them and make good his promise to them. My friend, when God is your rock and you cry out to him and you believe him, and you expect him to move, he will move in your life, and he will accomplish and perform that which he has promised. Put your finger on the promise in the Bible and believe it and stand on it, and God will do it for you. I would ask you today, 
Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know Jesus, the Messiah, as your Savior? Is He your rock? You can experience this tremendous blessing by being reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, the mediator. He took your sin and He nailed it to the cross. Jesus experienced the waves of death in your behalf so that you might experience the deliverance from judgment and the uh, eternal condemnation. He took it so you could have life. Through Jesus Christ and faith in his name, you can have a personal relationship and receive the love from God. I would encourage you today to put your faith in God, in Jesus, to receive forgiveness, deliverance, and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you and will you express your faith in God today for what he's done? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, may every heart be touched, and every mind open, and, and every blind eye open by the power of your word and the power of your spirit to who you are and to what you can do and what you want to do. You want to save and you want to deliver and you want to show yourself to us, God. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see who you are. And may you be our rock, Lord, I pray for everyone listening. May faith spring up in hearts all across this world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend. Till next week, may the Lord be your protection, your rock, and your deliverance. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.